Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk about retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. Here's your host, Megan Kendrick. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. I am here with Danielle Lavalie-Wasson. She has been, um, if you've noticed, writing some columns for us in the magazine. And Danielle has worked in the hot tub industry for for many years. And so we're excited that we have her um, in the magazine. And I think her stories have been really beneficial. And she's really hitting on some things that are important to all of you in running your business. So, uh, Danielle, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I appreciate it. So I, I mentioned that you have been in the industry for several years. Could you just kind of give us a little bit of your, of your background in the industry? Sure. Um, so I started with Vogue Pools, actually, in Montreal 27 years ago now. That ages wow. me so severely. And um, I was there. I, I got hired to do some of their marketing. And I have a theory about this industry is if you can last six months, you're in for life. And I've been here ever since, kind of went from Vogue to running an independent agency down here in Texas and then moving on to work for Bullfrog Spas for 15 and a half years. And so what are you what are you doing now? Um, What's the company that you have that you have started? So um, a couple of years ago. Um, I decided that our dealers really needed some help into learning how to get more customers into the store, how to set up their business to do one of three things, either grow it, (laughs) get it ready for sale, or get it ready to pass on to children or managers that might be purchasing the business. And and some do a great job at that, but the majority, you know, they just share with us over the years that it's so difficult and they don't think their business is sellable. They don't think it's something that they can really grow and, and sell off to someone else. But if you structure it properly, you can, because if you if you grow it to a point where it's a sustainable business that runs really well, somebody's going to want to buy it. Or your kids are going to want to take it over um, if you're lucky. So I started a company called My Retail Coach. And our main focus is to do just exactly what it it says, is to coach retailers specifically into structuring their business for sustainable growth. I think that's such a great point you make about um, preparing your business for sale or, or even just for the next um, wave of ownership, wherever that may be coming from. Because I think when people start thinking about that and they start making some of these changes in their business, they're kind of like, why didn't I do this before? It just it just makes so much sense. Um, you know, if you're it doesn't matter if you're getting your business ready to sell it. You these are some things that you should be doing now. Exactly. And and a lot of, unfortunately, our industry is getting really old. And by that, and and no insults intended, I'm part of that. (laughs) Getting older is part of life. But um, a lot of the store owners are, are just getting up there in years and we're seeing really wonderful businesses just closing down because mom and dad have decided to retire and just kind of sell off the inventory, but don't sell off the business, which doesn't give them a really good retirement plan. So, um, and, and then of course, if the business is not well run and automated where it can be automated, then the kids 
especially the kids nowadays, you know, the 20 year olds are not going to want to be part of that because they're not seeing it as something modern and cool. So there's a lot that these retailers can do to keep it young so and, and structure it to be able to move it on and to make it attractive as well to the next generation to want to get into our industry, right? If we want to grow our industry in general, we need to attract the younger kids so that they want to work in, in this wonderful field because, you know, you know I, I I say all the time, we're so lucky that we're not selling tombstones, right? We're selling fun and family and relaxation and vacations in your backyard. I mean, it's it's such a fun, wonderful industry to be in. But I think sometimes we get bogged down and we forget about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the in the day to day operations and lose sight of of what's important and kind of the the end goal. And I think what also what also is really cool about when people start um, implementing some of these things is that it sort of sparks some excitement in the in the current owners and so you know they're getting maybe their their children or their management whoever is going to be taking the business over later they kind of start to get them involved and get excited but they also kind of get this renewed energy and life as they start to look in their at their business in in a new way too oh absolutely and and change is really hard the majority of people really find it difficult to change. We say we want to change, right? We, we it, it now is January. So we, we all say we're going to lose weight. This is going to be your, the year I'm going to get in shape. And our intentions are always so great. But to implement change, to actually execute our plans is, is where most people fail. 92% of goals that are set are never hit, not because of bad intentions, but just because implementing and executing the plan is difficult because people just don't want to change. It's, it's very hard to implement change, but if you do, it can turn your life around and turn your business around. One of my frustrations with a lot of our retailers is I see how tired they are, right? We see how stressed out and exhausted they are because they're doing everything. They're sweeping the floor, doing their social media. They're they're doing everything themselves instead of reaching out and getting some help and structuring it so they can also have a life. And um, and even after you point that out, it's still difficult to to implement that change. But it is doable. And hopefully, with these podcasts and these articles, we can help your retailers move from from point A to point B in a structured manner to implement change a little bit at a time so that they have a better business at the end of the year that they really enjoy working in. So let's talk about the article a little bit. Um, You focus in this first one about some of those key performance indicators that people should be keeping track of on a, on a monthly basis. And I think that, you know, some people, you're kind of either a numbers person or you're not, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you either love digging in and looking at this stuff or it's just the last thing that you want to deal with. Um, but this is kind of where, where it all happens. I mean, if, even if you're not a numbers person, you need to be keeping track of this stuff and paying attention to it. Um, do you find that the retailers you're working with, are they, are they looking at these numbers? Are these things that they are are tracking already? Or is this something that people um, kind of need to start implementing? 
I think there's a little bit of both, Megan. We, we have some very, very professional business owners that are just that. They're business owners. They get it. They track everything very, very closely. They probably don't track all of these, but they track enough to identify problem areas that that need improvement on or, you know, change of course. The danger lies in the dealers that don't look at numbers until the end of the year, at which point it's oftentimes too late. Or worse yet, they work on gut instinct. I'll give you a really good example of that. Just last week, I was coaching a client on the phone and they had hired a new sales um, lady who's 24 and they were complaining how lazy she is and she does nothing. And, you know, there's nobody coming in the store. There's no reason for her not to be cleaning when there's no customers and just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so what's her closing ratio? And we don't know. I said, well, let's start measuring it. So they started measuring her closing ratio. And the second, convers- the second conversation went like this. Okay, well, she's still lazy, but she had five people come in the store and closed all five people with brand new spas, and they're all getting delivered in the next 30 days. Wow. (laughs) So, you know, in the beginning, they were ready to fire her. And then when we started to, to get some, you know, some performance ratios to actually remove the emotion out of it and start looking at numbers, the whole picture changed. Their attitude towards her change, which in turn is giving her confidence. And now she wants to clean the store because she doesn't want to lose her job and she's making commission on all these sales. So she has motivation now to keep the store clean and not be lazy. But without the ratio, she would have lost her job. And that would have been really bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a that's such a great example because you're, you're right. I mean, when you're in it every day and you're talking to these people every day and you're looking what's coming in and out of the store, sometimes you just, you do, you get wrapped up in the emotion of it and you lose sight of what's actually happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and I see it day in and day out and all the customers we coach, you know, oftentimes they'll complain against, you know, a manufacturer. Like it's so easy to blame others, right? They'll say, oh, this manufacturer made us buy all this inventory. It's just sitting here. Okay, well, you know, are you tracking, you know, product performance? How much does it cost you to put, uh, you know, let's just use a spa, for example. How much does it cost you to put a four-person spa on your floor versus your operating costs? And if you can sell it, how much profit are you making? And is that a net-net or are you making actual positive profit per square footage? And that, when you start to calculate that, I love when dealers calculate that because they tend to make better decisions on what they purchase instead of just, you know, folding into the pressure. If you do the exercise of how much is this going to cost me to put on the floor versus my overhead costs per square foot and how much money can I make off of it? You make a lot better decisions instead of just saying, oh, that's such a pretty, you know, purple spa. I'm sure because I like it, everybody else will. (laughs) And so, again, it's removing the emotion and working with numbers. And I'll, I'll admit, anybody who knows me knows that I absolutely hate numbers. I hate it. My partner does it for us because I am not a numbers person. I hate accounting. It's, it's really not something I enjoy, but I see the value 
in having those numbers to make better decisions and adjust our course of action. And, and that's, you know, that's really important. Right? You don't fire a salesperson because you think they're lazy. You look at their closing ratio and then make a decision. Do they need training? Maybe they just need training or motivation. So you make better decisions. And that's the whole point of these ratios in this first article is to make decisions that are based on actual data instead of your gut instinct. So if you're someone who has not been keeping track of, of any or very many of these ratios, um, they're the person who does it at the end of the year when it's too late to really fix anything. Um, I mean, what would you have them do to get started? Because I'm sure they're not doing it because they think it's overwhelming. They don't understand it. They don't feel like they have time. What are some things that you suggest people start with to, um, to kind of get the ball rolling on, on this part? Start with, start with store traffic and closing ratio because you need to know how many people are actually coming in the door and how many people you're selling to. Start with that because that's easy to do. You just put a, a little spreadsheet with, you know, 31 days on it on the front counter. Everybody, every time somebody comes in the door, you put a little check mark next to, um, you know, January 1st, for example. You tally how many people come in per day, per week, per month, and how many sales did you get on those same days and then that same month. And of course, if we can increase our closing ratio, we can increase increase how many people we sell to. Chances are, unless you're selling at a loss, chances are that you'll have better sales and better profits at the end of the year. But that's always a good place to start. Because if you're not getting traffic, let's say on Monday, Tuesdays, you always get zero people coming in. You can change your marketing now to try and attract more people in the store. Maybe you have a, a Monday morning sale or whatever it is. Once again, it's about data. If you know when people are coming in and you know what your closing ratio is, you can budget from there. You have information. I always say the job of the owner and managers of the stores are to bring people into the store so that the job of the salespeople is fulfilled, which is selling to the, to the customers. So if the salespeople say nobody comes in, but when you tally, you realize that, hey, 50 people came in and their closing ratio is 5%, we have a problem. If their closing ratio is 100% and only three people came in this month, then it's an owner problem, not a salesperson's problem. So it's a really just a really good place to start. Um, after that, I would definitely, you know, start looking at, at performance, company performance ratios, which is your cash on hand and your quick ratio to make sure you can pay your bills. Great. Those are some great ideas of things that people can do that aren't going to be too, too much to start with. But do you find that once people do start tracking things that they get a little addicted to it and want to learn more and more and more? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's so funny because the, the people who, you know, if we just take the closing ratio, the people who absolutely never want to calculate their closing ratio is the actual salespeople because they don't want to be called to the carpet. Right. Um, but at the same time, that closing ratio is impacted by the number of number of, of people that come into the customers that come into the store. 
But once you start, it's so addicting because you can like, oh my gosh, you know, score a high five. We got three more people in the store because our Facebook ad worked and we closed an extra, an extra pool sale or an extra spa sale. And the whole team can participate and get excited about it. And the, and the, Owners, what I'm finding as we're implementing this into a lot of small businesses is that owners, you can see their shoulders kind of drop because worrying about what you don't know is a million times worse than worrying about what you do know. When you don't know, you imagine the worst. And our imagination is geared with all the news and, and you know, we've been, we've been trained to think negatively and with the media and everything that happens in our lives. So it's our imagination just runs wild when we're not sure of what's really happening with the business. But once you have the numbers, you can see these business owners really, you know, relax and take a deep breath and say, okay, now that I know, maybe it's not as bad as I thought, or maybe it is, but here's step one, step two, step three to fix it. Now we have data and we can fix things. And, and the worst thing is if you have great ratios, you don't want to be fixing things that aren't working, right? Don't, don't fix it if it's not broken. So that's also a very important factor of having these ratios is you don't want to start changing things that are working fabulously um, because you don't have the numbers. So don't, you know, if you have the numbers, you'll keep doing well what you do well and you'll fix what you're not doing well so it provides you great great peace of mind and and really helps you structure your day and your business to be a lot more productive well danielle we look forward to hearing more about this um, on the podcast and in the articles in the magazine thank you so much for joining me today this has been some really great practical advice for retailers that i think they're going to um, really enjoy so thank you so much again for joining us today thank you megan it was great fun you've been listening to the spa retailer podcast you can download previous episodes on itunes google play or at sparetailer.com slash podcast Be sure to download the Spa Retailer app where you can also listen to the podcast and get access to all the magazine articles as well as exclusive content.